Hello. Hello. Good, you're there. Good to see that most people have moved from the back down into the pews. It was going to be weird if you were all sitting back there still. It's going to feel very strange. Let's pray again as we continue in this passage in John 11. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you for Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Father, tonight we ask, please, that we would learn to love as Jesus loved, that we would learn to believe as Jesus' disciples believed, and so that we may find ourselves in the resurrection and the life, such that our illness, which is sin, and our imminent death would be to your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your Bibles open. If you've got one handy, John chapter 11, page 1041 in the Pew Bibles. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. It's a story that resonates with us, just that one sentence. A man named Lazarus was sick. Now, maybe not necessarily that you know somebody called Lazarus who is sick. That would be quite extraordinary. But the fact of illness, the fact of disease, and the fact of death resonates with us. A man named Lazarus was sick, and such was his illness that he would die of it. Now, we resonate with it all the way from the little minor inconveniences of the head cold and the flu and the sniffles and all the rest of that kind of thing, all the way through to the life-threatening diseases, the cancers, the Parkinson's, the Alzheimer's, the severe infections, the illness and death eventually awaits us all. It awaits our loved ones. It awaits us. It is a story that we resonate with. And yet Lazarus's story is also one that perhaps we might desire. For Jesus can say of this very illness in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Lazarus's illness and Lazarus's death had a much greater purpose. Don't we wish for the same? Don't we wish for a purpose to illness and to suffering? Don't we wish that our lives would not end in death? Now, as we're going to see in John 11, in Jesus, it is so. For in Lazarus's story, we see our own. People who are ill, people who will die, and yet those for whom death is not the end and God's glory is what counts. Now, it's a story that begins with very strange love. Ben, would you mind turning this down just a little bit? It's resonating to me. Thanks, mate. It's a story that begins with very strange love. Can you still hear me? Nikki, can you still hear me? Yeah, good. Now, it's not the kind of love that we think of. We think of love as warm, fuzzy feelings. We think of love as giving people what they want. We think of love as making somebody comfortable or happy or successful. Jesus demonstrates his love in a very strange way. Now pick it up, John chapter 11, verse 1. And there is a bulletin this week, so if you're a note writer, get back into it. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, 
was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Or we jump down to verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Let's get that clear to start with. There is a special relationship between Jesus and these three siblings. In fact, so special is the relationship that the author wants us to see it in a very strange way. I don't know if you noticed, verse 2, that incident with Mary and the perfume and the hair, it hasn't happened yet in the Gospel. In fact, it doesn't happen until the next chapter. Chapter 12, this incident occurs. But John wants us to know there's a special relationship with these people. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves Lazarus. Now, we don't know what their relationship is. Maybe these were, uh, were close family friends. You know, we describe those people you've known all your life. They're not quite cousins, but they're pretty close. I mean, maybe they were cousins. I don't know. Maybe Lazarus and Jesus went to school together or something. Whatever it is, Jesus loves them. Jesus loves them. Jesus, God, become man. The one who can heal the sick, the one who can feed the hungry, the one who teaches with authority, the one who has power over nature, the one who can walk on water, the one who can... Jesus loved Lazarus. And yet, he demonstrated that love in a very, very strange way. Now, people will do all sorts of strange things in the name of love. You might have heard the stories. I went Googling to see what I could find. And it doesn't take long to find some pretty dumb things done in the name of love, right? One guy asked his friend to shoot him in the leg so that his girlfriend would have sympathy for him. I mean, you know, if you're at that kind of level of relationship, you've got issues. There's plenty of people who cry about it on YouTube, although that's probably not particularly special. You, you guys do that, right? You cry on YouTube. Is that, yeah, no, okay, all right, never mind. There's just strange things for love. One bloke didn't have enough money to pay for his girlfriend's bond so she could get out of prison, so he went and robbed a Waffle House to use the money to pay for her bond and got caught for it, of course. One bloke broke into a NASA warehouse, stole a box full of rocks from the moon because he really, really, really wanted his girlfriend to have a rock from the moon, not realising that it's worth millions of dollars and, of course, they're going to come for him and catch him, right? We're just the strangest, stupidest things in the name of love. I'll read you my favourite. I'll just read the headline. I don't, you don't need the story. Here's the headline. Husband and wife get surgery to look like each other. Yeah, that's about the right face, Stephen. That's, yeah. Jesus demonstrates his love in a very, very unusual way. Verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, verse 6, or really it should be because, this is connected, therefore, so, because Jesus loved Lazarus, he stayed where he was two more days when he heard he was sick. What? And not only did he stay where he was two more days, but he did so knowing that to stay condemned Lazarus to death. Right, we get to verse 14, Jesus clearly knows Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha will say to him, if you had been here, he would not have died. And that is true. Jesus loved Lazarus. And so he let him die. What kind of love is that? That doesn't sound like love to me. But really it is. It's true love. 
Not, in the, not the Princess Bride kind of true love, right? That, that dream within a dream. It's not, it's not that kind of true love. It's the kind of true love that sees somebody's deep-seated need and wants to meet it. This sickness, Jesus said in verse 4, will not end in death. It is for God's glory that the Son of God may be glorified. He will say to his disciples in verse 15, For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. That is the love that Jesus has. Not love that's concerned for the superficial, but love that is concerned for the glory of God, such that his disciples might believe. He's not concerned for his own safety. He's not concerned for his own well-being. What are, you, are you kidding me? They were just about to stone you to death and you're going to go back there? Yeah, let's go, Jesus says. What's your problem? Thomas, he's like, well, yeah, all right, fine, okay, let's, let's just all go and die. All right, whatever. Jesus loved them. He wanted them to believe. Well, what did he want them to believe? If it was so important that they believe this, that he was prepared to let Lazarus, the one he loved, die, well, what was it that they were supposed to believe? Kind of an important question. And so Jesus heads off, verse 17, on his arrival, they finally get there. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Okay, the bloke was dead. It's just, there's no question about it. People will, will argue, oh, no, no, he just he fainted. And then in the cool of the cave, he came back, he, he, he revived and bang. And there, it was four days in a sealed tomb, no food, no water. This bloke was well, if he, if he wasn't dead before he went in there, he was certainly dead by the end. Lazarus is dead. And Jesus arrives and he meets two sisters. He meets Martha and he meets Mary. And they both say exactly the same thing to him. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus explains the situation to Martha and then he demonstrates it to Mary. He explains it to Martha and then demonstrates it to Mary. What are they supposed to believe? Jesus gets there and Martha speaks, verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. It's kind of hard to work out what exactly it is that Martha is expecting of Jesus at this point. But Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Clearly, this passage is about resurrection. If you didn't pick it up as we read it through, it's about resurrection. Now, Today, these days, quite often the resurrection, more, more the resurrection of Jesus, not the resurrection of Lazarus, we don't deal with that one quite so much, but the resurrection of Jesus is treated as a sort of a proof. It's the thing that will convince people. Because Jesus rose from the dead, therefore the Bible is true. Because Jesus rose from the dead, therefore you need to believe in God. Because Jesus rose from the dead, therefore you need to be convinced and believe. There's all sorts of books written about that. If, you, if you're looking up the, the evidences for Christianity kind of books, so many of them go to that, that line. There's, there's apologetics courses, all the rest of it, right? Because of the resurrection, you should believe. I've been known to argue that myself. The problem is, Jesus says it's not the case. Now that first reading in Luke chapter 16, it's the other Lazarus. There's only two Lazaruses in the Bible, and both of them, are in a story about resurrection. Isn't that interesting? Luke 16, you remember the story, right? It's, I mean, it's very straightforward. There's a beggar and a rich bloke, and they both die, 
and the beggar goes to be comforted at Abraham's bosom and the rich bloke goes to hell. Right? Simple, simple beginning. And the rich bloke is being tortured in hell and he looks up and he sees Lazarus and says, please, Abraham, would you send Lazarus to come and comfort me in my suffering? And Abraham goes, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. Right? You had your chance, you blew it. Now you're there, suck it up, buttercup. And Lazarus goes, well, please, please, would you go and warn my brothers? Send Lazarus. And Abraham says, well, they've already got Moses and the prophets. What more do they want? They've already got the word of God warning them of what is to come. No, 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 says the rich man. But if a dead person would come back to life again, they'd believe him. And Abraham says, if they didn't believe Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't believe even if someone rose from the dead. A resurrection will not convince people of the things of God. A resurrection will not convince people of heaven and hell, of judgment to come. If they do not believe the word of God, they will not believe the resurrection. Ah, oh, no, smoke and mirrors. I mean, of course, they didn't really die. Um, they stole the body. It's all a big conspiracy theory. You can come up with any way of explaining the resurrection away. So does the resurrection convince people or doesn't it? Because here it kind of seems to, right? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and therefore, verse 45, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and see what Jesus did put their faith in him. What's going on? What are we supposed to believe from John chapter 11? Well, back in John 11, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again. But notice when. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha does know Moses and the prophets. Martha does know the scriptures. This is just perfectly normal biblical thinking. A day is coming. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe Tuesday. Maybe Tuesday next week. Uh, maybe a century, maybe more millennia from now, I don't know. But a day is coming when everybody will be raised from the dead. A real bodily universal resurrection. Every single one of us will be raised from the dead. And in that resurrection we will face a judgment. The last day. And as we face the judge, some will be condemned into hell. And some will be redeemed into heaven. Perfectly normal biblical thinking. I, I hope that's your thinking. A day is coming and that's the day we live in the light of. And Martha knows it. Of course he's going to rise again, Jesus. What are you talking about? In the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus answers her, and this is, I take it, what we are to believe. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this, Martha? Not, not just that a day is coming, not just that somewhere in the future there's this idea, but that the resurrection happens in me, that I am the one who will bring the dead back to life. And that furthermore, because I am the resurrection, I am the one who will judge those who are brought from death into life. Martha, do you believe this? And Martha, once again, 
shows very clearly that she does. I believe, she says, verse 27, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who was to come into the world. Martha says, I believe Moses and the prophets. They said that the Christ will come, and I believe you are the Christ. They said that the Son of God will come, and I believe you are the Son of God. They said that one is coming from God, and he will be the one who brings the resurrection. Martha believed the word of God. And so Jesus showed her the resurrection. Now, friends, this is what we are called upon to believe. This is what Jesus let Lazarus die for. That we might believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That he is God's chosen one who will rule, who will judge, who has the power to raise to life and who in himself gives life. You've got to believe the word before the miracle will make any difference to you. You've got to believe Moses and the prophets, the word of God spoken about Jesus. If you don't believe this word, then the miracle will mean nothing to you. And so Jesus demonstrates it in Lazarus. He comes to Mary. Mary comes to him, verse 32. Again, the same words. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews would come along with her weeping. He was deeply moved and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then we get the shortest memory verse in the Bible. John 11.35, Jesus wept. I've thought a lot about those words this week. Jesus wept. Why? Why did Jesus weep? Why is he crying in the face of death when in just two paragraphs time he's going to reach out and give life again? Why is he crying over Lazarus when he's about to resurrect him? Why does he cry? Imagine for a moment uh, that you, you've lost something very precious. Let's say Edwina, my wife, she's lost something very precious, right? She comes up to me very distraught. I've, I've lost my engagement ring, or I don't know, I've lost, I've lost a favourite piece of technology. I've lost one of our children, whatever it is, right? I've lost something very precious to me, and, and it's gone. I'm convinced that it's gone. And she's crying, and she's like, oh. And I'm like, but I, but I know where it is. It's okay. You, you left it in that drawer, right? Third drawer down, just behind the side. I don't know what Sophia's doing in there, but that's where you left it, right? And, and, and I'm convinced that it's there, so I, I'm not going to cry. She might not believe me that I know where it is. She may be convinced that it's gone, but, but I, I know where it is. I know it's about to come back again. Why is Jesus weeping in the face of Lazarus' death? Deeply moved. Jesus wept. Death is not natural. Death is not good. It's not desirable. It's not a release. It's destructive. It's evil. The wages of sin is death. It is dreadful. It is something never to be glad for. Even when it occurs within God's plan and purpose. Jesus knew Lazarus would die. It was part of his actions that Lazarus died. And still he mourned the death. 
my grandma passed away oh, seven, eight years ago now. And, uh, and she got the double whammy. She had both Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Right? So Alzheimer's, your brain goes. Parkinson's, your body goes. And it took a very long time for her to die, like 20 years, right? 25 years. It was, it was very slow, very long, very drawn out. But she was a woman who loved God. She was faithful to Jesus all the way to the end. She was somebody who, for whom death really was a releasing of pain and going to be with her, with her Lord and with her Saviour. How, how could we do anything but rejoice? And yet, at her death, we cried. For death is never good. And Jesus stands in the face of death and weeps. And then he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, if you, like Luke 16, if you believe Moses and the prophets, if you believe the word of God, you will see the glory of Jesus. And here it is, the glory of the one who has life in himself. They took away the stone. Jesus looks up and thanks God. He says, I don't need to pray out loud, but for the sake of these guys, I will, so that they know that you sent me, that they may know who I am. Lazarus, come out. And out he walked. Now our questions don't get answered. Was he stinky? Was he not? Had he decayed? Had he not? Had he gone into heaven and Jesus pulled him back out of heaven? I'll tell you what, he wouldn't have been particularly happy if that was the case. Right? Come back to this world. For... I take it this is more almost a resuscitation than a resurrection. For Lazarus would go on to die again. It wasn't resurrection to the new life yet. That had to wait for Jesus. But Lazarus is once again given life. See the glory of God. And know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now, I have three implications from this passage that I want to explore for a moment. Number one, do you love like Jesus loves? That is, are you concerned for God's glory such that people will believe? He doesn't get sidetracked. Not even by healing the one he loves. He is single-mindedly set on the glory of God that they may believe. Now, some of us have got kids. Some of us in time will have kids. And I'll tell you what, it's a very big struggle to keep that sort of love in mind. Because we keep straying towards wanting to love them by pampering them and by caring for them and by giving them nice things and a good education and clothing them with warm clothes and, and, and giving them all the little lovely things that are just so, so precious to them and they're beautiful and it's all great. And, 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 and oh, I've forgotten that the greatest way to love my children is to seek the glory of God that they may believe and have eternal life. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. How common is it for sport to take precedence over church? How common is it for us to spend our money on things that are here today and broken tomorrow rather than on that which lasts forever? Do you love like Jesus loved for your children? Do you love your neighbour as Jesus loved? What are your conversations with your neighbours like? I'm assuming you know them. Some of us may even not and there's something we've got to start. Hey Steve, how are you mate? Yeah, lawn's looking good. Hey, Helen, nice weather. 
Yeah, that's good. Hey, nice caravan. Hope you get out in it. Good trip. Right. What? I want them to see the glory of God, that they may believe. Can you imagine the conversation tomorrow morning? Hey, Steve, how are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, how are you doing, Dave? Yeah, yeah, all right, actually, yeah. Um, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That's cool. <laughs> what? Right. But the next Monday, oh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, really good. John chapter 12, man, you wouldn't believe. These Jews, they just did not believe in Jesus, despite all the crazy stuff he did. I'm concerned for Steve because he's going to hell. And so I want him to know the glory of God that he might believe. Even if he doesn't think he wants to know it, even if it's awkward and hard for me, even if the conversations have to start weirdly, they have to start somehow. Your mates at school, people at uni, your work colleagues, doesn't have to be your neighbours. Do you love them as Jesus loved? Do you love yourself? Of course I do, David. What a dumb question. Everyone loves themselves, right? Do you love yourself like Jesus loved? Concerned for the glory of God that you may believe, that you may be found in Jesus on the last day. And so prepared to cut out the things that distract you, the things that pull you away towards the world rather than release you towards heaven. For many of you, you're at a really, really dangerous stage in your life. The transition from high school, kind of mid-years in high school, through the transition in the mid-years of university and into work. All of a sudden you have freedoms you never knew you would have. As you finish uni and go to work, you have money that you wouldn't believe you were ever going to have. All of a sudden you have the ability to make your own decisions regardless of your parents. Do you love yourself such that you pursue the glory of God that you may believe? Do you love like Jesus loved? Secondly, do you believe? This is kind of obvious, I hope. This is what Jesus is on about. He wants his disciples to believe. He wants them to see the glory of God. Do you believe? And let me put it to you this way. Do you believe the word of God? The resurrection will not convince you unless you believe the word of God. Now, you can't believe what you don't know. Right? Read your Bible. I mean, that's, that's bread and butter. Read your Bible. Know the Word. If you don't know it, you can't believe it. And as you read the Bible, see how it points to Jesus. All of it points to Jesus. And as you submit yourself to that, as you see the glory of Jesus, even in the Old Testament, even in Moses, even in the prophets, entrust yourself to the one who is the resurrection and the life. What a promise. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And so third implication, our illness and our death does have a purpose. It's not random. It's not just, oh, well, that's unfortunate. People die, get over it. Imagine for Jesus for a moment, right? Lazarus has died and he knows that he's going to resurrect Lazarus. But he is no different to any of the rest of us because Jesus knows 
that David will die and then he will resurrect David. He knows that you will die and then he will resurrect you. Our illness, the greatest of which is sin, and our death will serve the same purpose as Lazarus's. The glory of God will be seen in us as Jesus brings us back to life and judges the sinner and saves those who are in him. The glory of God will be seen. And so we suffer and we grieve, but we do it with hope. The sure knowledge that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that we are in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the love of Jesus, love that would take him to the cross, love that would take him to die, love that propelled him to do everything for your glory and, Father, in his kindness that we may believe. Teach us to believe. Teach us to believe your word that we may understand the miracle of resurrection. And, Father, we thank you that our illness, the greatest of which is death, greatest of which is our sin, which results in death. Father, thank you that it is not random and chaotic. It's not outside of your control, but even in your hands, it has a plan and a purpose. It will result in your glory. And so, Father, teach us to live with that day, the judgment day, the day in which Jesus will bring the resurrection and will give life. Teach us to live with that day in mind. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.